Hello and welcome to Football and Your Podcast 15. Coming up in this week's Dutch Football Podcast, we'll be chatting about the reaction to the Ajax Europa League final defeat and focusing on the latest national team call-ups. I'm Michael Statham and I'm joined by Chaka and James. As usual, we're available on SoundCloud, YouTube and iTunes to listen to and download. Enjoy. Let's begin with the Ajax reaction then to the final. Um, shall we be a bit disappointed by the fact Ajax were quite comfortably beaten by Manchester United 2-0 or can they hold their heads up high or is it a mixture of both? What do you two think? I think we can be disappointed about the final itself and the game itself, but we shouldn't be disappointed at what they achieved with the run um, in Peter Buzz's first season and with such a young squad. I think um, it's such a hard issue to, to speak about because philosophy is sort of everything in Ajax and, you know, we saw a lot of reporters in the English media sort of saying, you know, Ajax should have adapted to Manchester United uh, yes and should have probably changed their style but you know that's the, the sort of impasse in understanding that the English media has with Guardiola in his first season because they come from the same culture and the culture is not to change the, stri- uh, change the strategies to get better and, and play, play the ball on the ground with more pace to move with uh, more intensity to press uh, harder and higher and just find solutions within the framework of the style of play and the Ajax didn't uh, Ajax didn't manage to do that they didn't manage to adapt to the long ball and they should be criticised for that and but I think saying that they were incredibly naive to not change when you know they tried to get better they tried to sort of move the ball at a pace but United's midfield unit and man marking unit was the best Ajax have faced this season and um, they couldn't really get the ball to Ziyech in the right areas where you would normally want Ziyech. They couldn't find the, the channels, for, the direct channels from the back to Dober and uh, Man United defended and closed them down well. So it, it, it was disappointing that aspect that they got beaten so easy and the way the goals were conceded from a set piece and um, Rita was making a mistake. So it, it, it was disappointing in that aspect, but uh, and Ajax sort of had the quality to give it more of a go and to give United more of a hard, hard time. But I feel it would be very harsh and not under, and people would undermine what makes a team like Ajax great by saying that they didn't, com- they didn't completely change the style of play. They didn't go for the long ball or, or, or Buzz didn't... Um, you know, I, I tried to do something sort of outwardly different because that's not the Ajax way in the first place and the Ajax way got them to the final in the first place. And I think to say that they should have changed or altered the thing, I think it's very harsh on Ajax and what they are. But Shaka, couldn't you argue that um, when we saw PSV in Europe and get to the final Champions League because they adapt their style, and final as well, adapt and start to beat Manchester United this season. Couldn't I, I know I know what you're saying, and I totally agree actually. But on the other side of the coin, couldn't you view it that Ajax could change their style of play? Because when we watched PSV in Europe, we were giving them all the plaudits, 
for changing their style, altering their, their style of play because it worked and it got them results and it got them far in the competition. So couldn't you argue that when we were talking about PSV in that sense, that I actually be learning something from that and adapting the way that they approach the final to get the win because it ultimately their style of play didn't work. The thing is that with if you sort of listen to Peter Bosch's uh, press conference all through the um, stages, especially the um, from the round of thirty-two onwards, he was always saying in his uh, pre-match press conference, "We the, we go into this this game looking to do better at what we do than what the opposition does, what they uh, what the opposition does with what they do." We like we want to impose our philosophy, and if if the other team decide to counterattack, it's fine. But we need to be uh, we need to be better at what we do, and that's how we ultimately win the game. And that's how they got, they got this far. And um, so PSB and final they they did well, um, and PSB especially did well to get out of the group. They they take it, and Philip Philip changed uh, tactically in the in. Um, and against Atletico Madrid to the point where you know Locardi and Nelly got that own that that goal that away goal and hit the hit the post, but um, you know they um, but you know even like they didn't get as far as Ajax and they didn't get to the final and Ajax were sort of they pressed like everyone says they pressed like a German team they played with intensity and. They scored that beautiful goal against Copenhagen, and um, the in the away games to sort of uh, you know uh, close down a bit defensively and uh, you know um, uh, press targetedly. I think that would it, it would have it would help. But the fact that they got this far playing their style with their kids, it was it was it was very inspiring, and I think. When you got to the final, should Boz have done his research and sort of tried to, you know, um, improve and prepare his players in the framework of what they do and as, and and in the framework of you know pressing for those second balls, being better in the aerial duels, um, uh, trying to be more outwardly physical, quicker to the ball. I think that. Uh, they, they it could have been a difference, and also in the situational defending, and that's where the Dutch team struggled. If he could have improved them in the situational defending, that would, that would have helped. But I think the thing the thing is the philosophy is to sort of be smart and be clever and improve in the framework of the style of play, and that's how sort of Ajax and and uh, Guardiola do it, and that's um, I think and. That's to me. That's how you know this IS team should play because they, they're, you're bringing players through from the ages of ten and nine playing that way, and it would be it would be very, it would be very detrimental to what they are to sort of say, oh, we're going to change. And um, the fact that Manchester United had to play counter-attacking, the fact that they had to play you know long balls. Peter Boss says it's so much of a you know of um, it's it's some it's it's somewhat of uh, a, a, um, a, it's 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 a it gives Ajax a lot of um, inspiration going into the future because they made a, a team that's far richer than them uh, that that had more expensive players than them the the most expensive player in the world 
they made them change and be and try to counterattack the ball because they were so good at what they do. And I think if it's if if it sort of if it was against any other team in this final, uh, if uh, against South of Vigo, uh, they would have won easily. So uh, I think sticking to this style of play um, overall, I think it's a, a it was a naive idea, but it's Ajax. And but uh, the big the biggest thing isn't that they stuck to the style of play; it's that they didn't try to change and adapt to the game within the framework of that style of play and try to do things slightly different without uh, uh, changing the style of play overall. Um, I think Ajax must take a lot of heart to the fact that they reached the final. Uh, it, captivated, it captivated the city. Uh, there were many corners of the Dutch press and the European press in general that never thought that the Dutch side would ever reach a European final again. And they managed to reach one for the first time uh, in 15 years when the final reached the UEFA Cup back in 2002, I believe. Um, they were disappointing in the fact that I think they appeared to suffer stage fright in the fact of um, they were losing possession an awful lot. They seemed to be a bit overawed by the occasion, uh, playing against such a good, solid side that were tactically, tactically absolutely spot on. Um, they can learn an awful lot from this and they must learn an awful lot from this. It's disappointing for everybody. Uh, on the day of the final here in Amsterdam, it felt like another Queen's Day. Um, but instead of orange everywhere, you had uh, flares and people with Ajax shirts singing songs in public transport and uh, in trams and in metros. And it was uh, really something to be uh, to be part of with uh, 120,000 people on museum plane as well. And uh, the city was absolutely packed. And then... Um, I think uh, I think they can take a lot of heart from it. They must uh, be proud of what they achieved. Um, the final was a bridge too far, but they've knocked out teams like Lyon and um, and Schalke along the way, which was also unexpected. And as I've stated in previous pods, I was at the very first European game they played at home to Park Saloniki back in August last year, and they was one 0 down within half an hour, and they were it was looking as if Park would uh, continue their dominance and go on to win the game handsomely. That game ended in a 1-1 draw, but you wouldn't have thought when attending that game that, um, that they would go on to reach uh, a European final, in this case the Europa League final, so they can take uh, tremendous heart and it should stand them in good stead for the coming season. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it's, it was a big disappointment on the day though, wasn't it? Because they... They went to the final with this confidence and style of play that was breaking down teams with ease. Um, but on the day, yeah, there was a bit of stage fright and at half-time it was one down and I fully expected the team to come out fighting the second half and for players such as Ziyech and Scherner to pull out a moment of quality, but it just never quite clicked. And then after two minutes of the second half, the second goal went in and that I think that's when the moment, it was a sobering moment for the whole team. Just gonna go right. That's you know that that's a that's a right shot in the heart because they 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 must have come out thinking we've got a chance. We're only one down, two down. Man United as defensive as they were, it must have been really disheartening. Um, I did think, however, that in the final it revealed, revealed a few truths for the team, and perhaps players such as Scherner and 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 maybe Eunice on the left side 
Klaassen as well, that they didn't quite come to the standards of the occasion. And but whereas a player like Traore, he played well. I thought Ziyech tried and you could see that he had the quality, but he just kept getting found in the wrong areas. He was always too deep. Um, and they were maybe late in the game as well, but they were panicking a little bit too much and they just tried one flick too many. Um, and I just was thinking in the end, just put it in the box. It's not their style of play whatsoever, but they had to go for broke, but it just wasn't quite working and they panicked. And I feel like that they sort of, I wouldn't say let down um, Ajax fans, but because they're very proud of their team for reaching the final. But for getting there and then playing the way they did, it was a, it was a slight disappointment. But perhaps that's a testament to the way that Manchester United was set up and the way Mourinho had them trained for the final. Yeah, it was. And um, yeah, I, I agree with James. They lost a lot of, um, you know, balls, in, especially in the final third and in the critical phases of sort of the approach play, which, you know, they, they sort of thrived in, especially when creating chances. Uh, the other stages of the Europa League, they've created the most chances in the Europa League uh, for a reason. And, um, you know, Herrera sort of marshaled um, and uh, Ziyech well, especially in letting him have the ball in situations where he wasn't, a situation where he wasn't dangerous and had to sort of look for the sideway pass and try to move into some space. And, uh, you know, Carson, Carson, they they couldn't get the ball to him, the box. I think you know there's always this criticism of him where he didn't get involved tonight and he was sort of muscled out of the game. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think just sort of you know seeing Matisse Delict's performance, who was sort of uh, one of my men of the match on that day, and just saw how confident he was, and then we saw when. Boss switched up back three and he brought on Frankie De Jong in the final stages. And Frankie De Jong also tried to create something. You know, the, there was that period where he first came on and he he, got, he takes the ball from Anana, he plays a 1-2 with the defender and drives the ball forward and tries to create a chance. And that was sort of an indication of how talented the, the generation coming through is and how if Ajax managed this summer well, um, how they, they will be okay next season and they even though they have to start from exactly where they were last season you know no champion no Eredivisie title they have to qualify for the Europa League through um, you know a qualifier and then the playoffs and um, have to sort of as uh, begin again I think they, they, they begin again more confident in Boston style play and the youngsters are coming through are very talented you're sort of okay with losing Klaassen because there's at least three, four players from the young Ajax who finished uh, second or third in the ES Divisi who, who are looking to take his place and, and really scrapping to take his place. And the worst thing that can happen is sort of selling selling um, selling Tete, Veltman, uh uh, Davis and Sanchez and uh, and Davis and Sanchez because that leaves you and readable because that leaves you in a real bind defensively and um, you that's losing a lot of you know able bodies in the defense and having to restructure the defense will be a problem and also selling someone like Dobo would also be a problem because there's no 
ready-made striker to replace him. But if they manage to keep some of the central parts of the side and, you know, just let go of Klaassen uh, for a big fee and uh, t- and development for a, slight, uh, for a lower fee, I think that that will and and manage to bring in uh, a few players. Um, that that will be a great summer for them, and it really gives them a platform to build up because um, they they finished the highest points they've had in a while, and they they finished the season with the youngest team in the Eredivisie ever, and they beat Fulham three one quite comfortably, and you know nine players got their debut this season, and most of them impressed and you know a lot of them a lot of players in the side that haven't played the whole season you know like your Frankie De Jong your Abdel Nouris your um your your Justin Clivert uh Carol Eatings uh and um Richero Zivkovic is on loan at Utrecht and has done quite well this season they're all sort of raring to go and have and having a shot at this team. So I think there's a lot to build on here. It shouldn't sort of deflate the confidence of uh, what happened this season and the run to this season, the exciting football they played this season. And we also shouldn't forget that Peter Boz is has had to restructure a lot in Vitesse. He's, he's had to deal with a lot of players. He's sort of one of the managers that's a master at that, at sort of bringing players to the academy and trying to mold in other players that come in. So I think there's a lot to be happy about with Ajax and there's a lot of, uh, uh, to be optimistic about in Amsterdam. Yeah, players such as Matthijs De Ligt um, had a fantastic final, fantastic season. Um, so I guess his place in the Dutch national team selection is justified for the upcoming games against Morocco, Ivory Coast and the qualifier against Luxembourg. Um, and I, it was still... There's still a few critics out there for Delict to say that he still shouldn't be in the team. Um, what do you guys think of the squad, and do you think players with Delict should be there? Is there a balance in the squad as well? Uh, I think with Delict, it's deserved. I think you wouldn't have thought that the young boy playing in the one Wednesday was 17 years of age, and the way he's conducted himself on the pitch and in the media with his um, with his press conferences and with his interviews, it really defies his years. He's shown absolutely fantastic maturity and he's given himself a, fa- a fantastic platform to kick on in future. Um, I think he'll only get stronger. He is ex- exceptionally young as well and um, I think he'll be part of squads to get more and more experience. He may ne- not necessarily play in every squad which is... Um, which is picked for upcoming qualifiers, but he may be part of it to gain even more experience training with the best players the country has to offer. Um, the way that the friendlies have fallen against Morocco and Ivory Coast and um, and uh, the qualification game against Luxembourg with the um, the, uh, the lack of clarity as regards to a new manager with that only being just, um, just ratified and, and, and just being um, uh, known to the public, uh, Fred Klim will take over the reins for the uh, for the games, and, and I think it will be a follow-on from what he did against um, against with the friendly and uh, the friendly and um, the friendly against Italy, where they lost in Amsterdam. Um, I would take a different perspective with the away game in Morocco. That sh- should they reach the World Cup, although I've stated it's unlikely, it will be good experience for them to play a different nation from a different continent, and they will possibly learn something. From 
from it because Morocco had a, a quite decent African Cup of Nations, so there'll be uh, different um, there'll be different tasks within that game, be a different approach as well. They can learn from it. The same goes for Ivory Coast playing different uh, different nations from different continents. Um, I think they would look to win all the games and try to um, try to conduct themselves accordingly. But then attention soon quickly turns to the qualifying game against Luxembourg, which they should win, and the um, the World Cup qualifying game in August against France in Paris. That that the um, attention will quickly turn to those games where there's uh, it means more and. They need to uh, rack up the points should they want to uh, be part of next year's World Cup in Russia. Uh, you know, Dilip has sort of bounced back from that episode at uh, Bulgaria. He sort of bounced back incredibly well a few weeks after that incident of Bulgaria. Let's not forget that, you know, he sort of takes the ball against Heron and drives it at the end. Heron defence passes it to someone on the wing crosses for him to score and um, he was brilliant in the Europa League final but um, I don't think it's very conducive for him to call him up because you know uh, it's very un-Dutch for me to say that but but I think it's, he's still only 17 and yep, it's under an interim coach and you know the next coach won't last very long so the situation is not most conducive for him it'll be more conducive to, for him to sort of play with the under-21s who are sort of trying to build a new team for the new qualifying, uh, you, um, the new um, UEFA under-21 qualifying phase. And um, it will be, I think, it will be more conducive for him to sort of learn there and, you know, he will still be playing players um, older than him and he will still be playing at a higher level than the under-19s and the under-20s. And um, this, it's, um, I, I do like the inclusions of, of Janssen, uh, Vilena, Ramsala, Tete, and um, I, I, I do like those inclusions because those are young players that, um, you know, with the exclusion of Janssen, have had very have had very good seasons. Even Tete, when he, 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 the last time he was called up, he didn't play that much, but he sort of, you know, at, uh, against Italy, he played quite a good game, and um, he's, he's sort of a more well-rounded right-back than, than Boltman, and it's just a shame that, you know, Cosgrove can't get into the squad because he, he would have, he would have, he would have sort of showed the competition that, that um, the Netherlands have a right-back and it's just, it's just to see, it's just about, the friendies are just about, you know, seeing what Graham Hall was on um, Danny Blind's um, coaching stuff, what he sort of uh, does differently to Danny Blind because um, how, he's, how, they, how they sort of work together as a team. And you, you'll assume he's going, to be, he's going to be a part of the coaching stuff when uh, Avoca comes in. So... Also, just uh, what kind of team that you know the exhibiting to Av- to Avoca when he comes in. So, what what kind of players is they're working with? Because um, there's a lot to work with in that team, and um, the sort of fact that you know the Dutch national team don't have much time is very overstated. 
because they do have talent and they do have a very workable squad. And these friendlies are just about sort of um, getting back, uh, getting everyone back into the group after, uh, after you know, sort of a year or two and the are saying, you know, it's time to really get to work, it's time to grind and it's time to, um, it's time to work on, at a, a different level than we've been working at in the past few years. And it's time to sort of rebuild that faith in the national team with the players, with the coaching staff, and um, with the fans before that Luxembourg game, that, that important Luxembourg game, you know, you're looking at building a, a team for that that France game that's coming up, that France game in Paris, which is going to be the hardest uh, game and which will be uh, a, a pivotal game in the sort of Dutch qualifying campaign. Agreed. Um, the squad looks like it's got plenty of options and you're right that it's a very workable squad it's a squad that can be you know maneuvered around a bit but perhaps that's the issue at the moment there's not enough stability and there needs to be a set 11 and players trying to come in from the outside as opposed to a lot of players you know that any any of those players there could start the game against uh, morocco or, or the Ivory coast or even luxembourg the important qualifier um and you're looking for a striker to be the main striker you're looking for two center backs there to be the two first choice but there's not a lot of that and i just hope that advocate is watching very closely the upcoming friendlies where he's not going to be there and he needs to make important decisions such as who will be the left back because his options are dave Blint, who hasn't impressed too much at left back in the past but has been okay at center back for manchester united or you've got Verhaver who's been fantastic for Ajax, admittedly better in his centre-back role, but has also played left-back. Um, Nathan Ake's come in. Where does he fit in with the squad? Where does he play? And I think there's some decisions that have to be made as, as well with regards to the midfield. You've got someone that has to be defensive midfielder, but they're still lacking that player that can break down the play. Um, and Martin Delon is that kind of player, but will he get to start the match? Probably not because he, there's, there's always this fascination of playing Stolopman in the defensive midfield role, where it's not his strongest position. I just hope that um, the, the last match where Vilhena came in for the second half in defensive midfield, he impressed a lot. I just hope he gets another chance there to, to show what the kind of player he is. Because this, this team needs to be ready for the France match in August. This, this The team that's selected for these two friendlies and the qualifier must be very consistent. I don't think much should be changed. I think there needs to be a starting eleven um, in in place, ready for France. Yeah, I agree. I ended on um, the fact that they needed to be ready for France, and I agree. I completely agree with the defensive midfielder thing. Something I've been mentioning on the podcast for a while, and um, the thing is, the 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 really funny thing is that you know, Ajax, uh, you know, um, the Netherlands have sort of you know, Strootman was once seen as a defensive midfielder, but he's not. He's shown that he's he's had his best season in Roma, not playing as a defensive midfielder, more as a box-to-box player, and a more creative player. Darun uh, was sort of seen in that role, um, but he hasn't played that role for Middlesbrough. Bazzoro was, was sort of seen in that role, played that role last year to, and played quite well last year. And and even under Jonker at Wolfsburg hasn't played that role. And um, 
you saw Hendrix start playing that role, got his first call up to play that role. Has not, uh, hasn't played much since the uh, since he got his first call up due to injury and just uh, Guardado being the chosen starter at PSV. So you you sort of um, you know sort of hard pickings there, and you but you had Valena who played that role when uh, El Amadi was at the African Cup of Nations during the sort of December to January period, and it was quite impressive in that role. And, he was quite impressive when he came on against Italy, but the thing is, he he sort of um, he he was impressive uh, sitting in that role, uh, but he sort of also likes to drive the ball forward and he sort of likes to be more mobile. So he would also need time at times to Stubman to drop in, but it would be a much better system that way rather than Stubman always being constantly shackled that role. And I agree with. Um, I agree with. Uh, um, I agree. I agree that we need to have a starting eleven. But the the thing is that you know you've got an interim now. You've got uh, Africa taking over at the end of the season, and the thing the you might not get a proper starting eleven to the end of that game. So it's just about sort of setting a platform, getting a chosen uh, a chosen proper back four. Um, so that in case you know you don't have any injuries and things like that, and, you know you, you you have to, and it's sort of difficult for them to create a back hole without you know Virgil Van Dijk, who is your best defender and a fifty someone a defender that's rated at fifty million pounds. So um, it's 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 sort of a, a very difficult start to a, a job in terms of preparing for that pivotal France match. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, loosens uh, that that hang. You know, you you've got to rely on Janssen, You know, getting more game time next season and sort of finding his feet in a, in another league. And um, you also have to rely on Depay also continuing his form from the end of the, the back end of the season into next season. And uh, um, so it's 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 a, it's a very complex job and it's. It will be very complex to 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 see uh, to find a proper team from what they've got right now. But the thing I said is it's workable, and there is a team in there, and um, it with um, it, it takes a lot of sort of um, you know uh, sort of Danny uh, sort of um, Fred Grimm and um, Dick Avocat sort of you know really engaging with each other because they both worked with the squad for a long period of time and they know the best parts of the squad. This squad. This is, you know, a chosen back four. Let's let's try it for the, the two friendlies. And let's take it into the Luxembourg game and this is where our our midfield setup setup should look out look like without uh without Strubman playing as a DM and who plays as a striker and things like that. And um it's about you know you know Robin is his he's he's had an elongated prime and it's sort of really um, it seems like the Dutch national team in recent years has been a chore for him and it's just about you know playing to his strengths without rely, relying on him and um, too much and I think Grim has to sort of has a job to set this team up for when Africa 
takes over and Avocat has the job to sort of see what Grimm does and the best and the worst uh, thing of what Grimm's done and what's been done in the past few years and what's worked and what hasn't to sort of, you know, prepare this team accordingly. I think um, Advocat will take it upon himself when he starts the job to mould a team that he thinks can compete in the, in the remaining qualifiers. I think he'll draw on his experience having been uh, national team manager on two previous occasions where he may well consult with uh, Flechlin, but he may also go his own way in making his own decisions. And um, I can see the latter option happening where when Advocat does take charge, that his first starting lineup or the starting lineup for the game in Paris against France may include a few surprises where people might raise eyebrows, but he will go with what he thinks is right for the remaining qualifiers and to give them a, to give them a chance of qualifying. There's games ahead uh, at home to Sweden, away to France, and these games will be key if they are to qualify. Um, you have to remember the national team experience that Advocat has accrued with uh, um, uh, Russia and with uh, Serbia and with a short stint at Belgium. So he knows the, how the national scene works. Um, I think there will be a few surprises when he does start to select his own starting lineups. And um, I think it's just about getting them to compete in the remaining qualifiers and see how far they can go. Okay, guys. Um, now we are at the end of the season. There's still a few matches left uh, in, in terms of the Eredivisie because of the playoffs in because of Europe and relegation. And the finals are on Sunday. Um, James, you said that there was a, a fight between in the MVV World game. There was. Uh, this is the Limburg's uh, derby, which is uh, quite heated. And the first leg was played in Maastricht. And there was a section of the uh, a section of the Maastricht fans who were uh, a little bit overzealous, uh, climbing over advertising boards trying to get the road of supporters. And the Maastricht player had to go and try to calm down his uh, his section of supporters. Uh, the return is tomorrow in Kerkrade, where Roda play at home. It's a draw from the first leg, so it's really winner takes all. Whoever wins that game will, in the case of Roda, remain in the Eredivisie. Or in the case of Maastricht, return to the Eredivisie for the first time since the year 2000. Um, I personally think that Maastricht are going to do it. I uh, I think um, I think they'll sneak a win. And in the second uh, in the second playoff final, which um, saw Nakubleda win against um, NSA Nijmegen at home, um, should they avoid defeat, they will also um, return to the Eredivisie and. Um, my prediction is, is that we will, we will see Maastricht, along with Nagbreda, um, returning to the Eredivisie next season. NSA Nijmegen do have the um, do have the advantage of playing at home, but I think I stated before with Stein Flaven, Nagbreda have uh, have a good nucleus of players and uh, a good team spirit, and um, I think that will see them through. You also have the second leg of the European playoffs uh, between. Um, I said Alan Kumar and FC Utrecht, with Utrecht playing at home. Um, they are trying to turn a 3-0 defeat around. And I saw on the news this morning that coach Eric Den Haag thinks that they only have a 10% chance of turning the deficit around. Um, 
it's a it's just it's a shame for FC Utrecht because they've won many plaudits this season with their style of play, and Ten Hag um, his stock is rising. But uh, it will be a big season ahead for him next season in terms of consolidating, in terms of, of winning, because they've reached a they reached a cup final last season where they lost the final, and um, we'll just be interested to see what happens. I think that. Um, Utrecht will win tomorrow, but uh, I can't see them turning around a um, a free uh, a free nil deficit, and then it will be. I said, I'll look at going to the Europa League qualifiers. Yeah, the yeah. Was a bit of unrest with uh, because right because they had uh, issues on the training ground with the manager, and it's it's shining through in their performance against MVV. It was fit. It was error strewn. Um, I wasn't surprised by NEC's poor defeat for Nap. Um, well, I mean, they dominated the game, but they didn't take chances, and that's been their season really. They just haven't really uh, shown the quality to score these goals. Um, whereas in the European playoffs, I, I'm as an AZ fan, I'm happy that AZ are winning the playoffs, but I still think it's a shame that Utrecht won't be representing the Netherlands next season in Europe. But I guess either of these two teams will be good representatives for the country going into those qualifiers because they're two fairly decent quality teams. Uh, I just wanted to elaborate on the fact that a lot will depend on who their opponents will be. Um, because we see season upon season with the, the lesser teams in Europe, yeah. um, the gap is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And um, I will be very, very interested to see who, um, who PSV get drawn against, who RSF get drawn against, and Ajax get drawn against because. If they was to receive a difficult team with the second leg away, although fantastic things have been achieved this season, no two seasons are the same. And uh, the gap in Europe is getting ever increasingly smaller and smaller. So they're going to have to adapt. Um, I think I said they, um, they managed to have a quite reasonable European campaign this year, getting out of the group of being destroyed by Lyon. And I hope that... Um, that uh, John van der Brom has learned a lot because he signed his contract extension for another season that takes him through to, I think, 2019 now. Um, I've, I stated before on the pod that I believe Isaac was far too quick to offer that and he's got to um, he's got to have a solid season next season again to, um, to, really, um, to really warrant that extension. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, um, it played at a level that they're capable of playing and the most impressive thing was 18-year-old Calvin Stings, uh, massive talent, has scored two goals, a gun assistant was, uh, was involved in both goals on the on the night. Um, Azad signed him to a new five-year contract the next day and um, he'll be one to watch next season. But... Um, it's it's really it's really starting to for Utrecht because they could have got to the Europa League through the KBB Becca last season. They could have got to the Europa League through the Europa League playoff, which they lost last season against Heracles. And they could have got through. They did they did well this season, and towards the end of the season, though they finished fourth, and they were one of the most consistent teams going into the end of the season, and. They, they, they've sort of fallen at the final hurdle again after sort of uh, playing a good season. Um, Ten Hag's going to lose Halea next season. Um, 
you know, they've lost, you know, uh, Boymans and Ruben, so they're going to have to, and he's also going to lose uh, Zevkovic. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to load him back, so he's obviously going to sort of try and get a new striker in, and it'll be interesting to see how they go about recruiting a new striker. And um, so, as it, they've, it's been very disappointing because Van der Brom chose not to play Dabney Dos Santos and Jones Van and Jones Van especially has been very crucial in the Europa League clubs and has played very well. I saw um, uh, Lukasen, who was the centre back, or as it referred to him as Messi yesterday on Instagram. And um, it's 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 you just hope that next season that you know um, as they learn from their lessons they they sort of sort of build around the team that they're sort of playing because they found a certain structure to the team and they beat one of the be- they beat a, one of the better teams in the Eredivisie quite comfortably. Uh, Utrecht, one of the most outwardly attacking teams in the Eredivisie, did have a shot on target in the first half and. Um, they could lose Alireza, uh, but they've already got an 18-year-old there. And the, the season before this season, they had won the Euron Cruyff Award for Best Academy for two or three seasons in a row. So uh, they do have a good academy. They have a lot of good academy products. And I think in the end, either of these teams going from makeup going into European um, uh, football, uh, it's as strong as you know it has been in a while because you've got the test with who are going to obviously lose Baker, but they've got Van Hoesenko, who is a, a very good striker and has shown has played uh, European football at Utrecht before and shown to be a, a very good European Europa, Europa League or UEFA Cup level striker. And uh, um, and they've got apart from losing um, Baker, they've got a very subtle team. But PSV going into the Europa League, and even though they're rebuilding, they they'll still have a very strong team. And Coco has reached the quarterfinals of the Europa League. He's reached the round of 16 in the UEFA Champions League. He reached the uh, knockout phase and got knocked out um, by Zenit St. Petersburg the last time they were in the Europa League. And you've got Ajax who've reached the final, and you've got Feyenoord who are going to shock a lot of teams in the in the Champions League because they're a much different Dutch team and they're more workmanlike and if they get a good group against uh, teams that are going to expect that they're going to um, underrate them and they're going to keep the majority of the squad together and if they perfect the things that that they're good at and sort of improve the, uh, the things that they're not good at and um, Van Brokers imposes a style with a settled team um, then the, then they they do they do have a chance to sort of shock some teams in European football next season. So this is the uh, sort of this is the strongest set of Dutch teams going into European football and something to be you know really excited about for next season. Sure. Just a quick word on the Calvin things. I uh, I translated his first interview with with the NOS after the first leg, and uh, he like the Licht um, spoke really well. Uh, was uh, committed to uh, signing a five-year deal with RZ, uh, made that quite clear, and, and hence signed the following day. Um, he appears to be very well-rounded uh, for his age. He's only 18 years of age. And then um, I think you'll see him push on next season, starting more games. And then um, 
um, building his reputation. I think it's a great find. Um, to uh, elaborate what Shaka said about the Youth Academy of RZ, they've invested heavily, uh, and that's starting to pay uh, to pay dividends. They um, they really really went for the uh, project of building a new training youth facility, where there was guiding steps where even of um, the corridors where the players change. But if you've got a particular corridor, you've got um, the closer you get to the pitch, is how you is how you move on. If, you, if you've got like a, the first door to your right is where the main youth team play, and, the, and then the doors further down the corridor, or maybe the under 16s, under 12s, under 9s, that that kind of thing. And um, it's uh, it's really conducive to the talent they're building, and uh, I just hope they can they can push on in that respect. Yeah, I'd just like to add, you know, Elias Pelasani, when he, when Bart Vedros was describing the Azel facilities term and the, um, the transfer window before he was deciding to make a move, he asked, Is, are you talking about Barcelona or something? Because, uh, you know, Azel were very particular about what they wanted. They had made this plan. They had went to Rangers and to see their training facility, Marcel Brand, Louis Van Haft Rangers, and so it's been the last few years carrying out that plan and um, it's, it's seen a lot of players come through. You know, you talk about Tom Hyde, Dabdi Dos Santos, uh, Joris Van Overeem, um, Gus Till and um, Derek Lukasen. A lot of these players have come through the Youth Academy and Rijasiano Haps is another one. So I think in that aspect, um, the... You know, they invest, they invest and they spend in a different way from their team, but they're really analyzing their resources into sort of progressing as a club. Um, just one final thing. Um, Mario Bain, the former manager of uh, NSA Nijmegen, final in Excelsior Rotterdam, who was assistant to Advocat, has uh, signed on for uh, Apoel Nicosia, the most successful club of Cyprus. I wrote an article on his... Uh, what, what I believe uh, offers redemption for him, and that was posted on the site last night. He is a competent manager. He's, uh, he performed wonders with uh, NSA Nijmegen, bring, uh, bringing them to European competition and, and winning in Russia against Spartak Moscow and against Udinese. So he does have um, he does have qualities. It's a great opportunity for him to uh, to, to redeem himself and, and put himself back on on the. Um, on the podium of becoming a manager in his own right. And um, I can see him doing quite well there. He would have learned under Advocat. He would have learned of his previous experiences. And it's it's nice for the, for the Dutch manager who's been away for um, for quite some time, uh, gets the opportunity to to, um, to go back into club management. Because you, um, you can draw a parallel, not in terms of quality of reputation, but with uh, Van Marwijk. And uh, Van Marwijk... Uh, Left the uh, the Dutch national team. There was um, rumours swirling around of, of where he would go. He went on to turn down Southampton, Sporting Lisbon, and is now national team manager of Saudi Arabia. When you would think that uh, with the qualities that Van Marwijk has, that there would be a a club that would be more conducive to his uh, to his talents. So uh, I'm just pleased that a manager who's been away for a while and may well have been forgotten by by some people has the opportunity to redeem himself at uh, at a um, at a at a big uh, European club in their own country in terms of Apple Nicosia. Okay, guys. Well, 
thanks for talking to us today and i'm sure we'll chat again next week